Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Alex McFarland. Psalm 122 verse 6 says that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all them that love thee will prosper. Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to this very special edition of Truth and Liberty. All eyes of the world are on Jerusalem and Israel tonight. And we have a very special show. I'm profoundly grateful for the guest that you'll meet in just a moment, Dr. Susan Michael of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Tonight, all things Israel and what is going on over there and how should be our response, not only as Christians, but as Americans. By the way, if you want to call in, you've got a question about what's going on. We have a very special expert guest tonight, Dr. Susan Michael. And that number, I'll give the number, it's 719-619-2341, And in a few moments, we'll open up the phone for calls. Let me just say what an exciting week it is, folks. In spite of the, you know, the concern about Israel, and, and we are right to be concerned, but I'm here at Karis this week teaching. It's an exciting week. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students from all over America, the North American continent, and really the world. The world is coming to Woodland Park, Colorado. And I'm teaching this week in the third year, the School of Practical Government. I'm teaching actually a speech class, and it's exciting. You know, about four or five years ago, we would have 10 or 12 students in a speech class. We have 23 this week, and I'm told in the spring, this very same speech class will have more than 60 students. God is growing Karis, and I want you to be in prayer. And if you're thinking about Christian higher education, consider Karis Bible College. We'll talk more about that. But without any further ado, I want you to meet the, the special guest who's graciously giving of her time tonight to be on Truth and Liberty. A couple of days ago, I was on a radio program and I had the privilege of, of hearing of Dr. Susan Michael, the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. She was so knowledgeable about all things foreign policy, the Middle East, and of course, Israel. And with very short notice, I asked her if she would be with us on Truth and Liberty and just lend her wisdom to questions that are on everybody's mind. She is with us tonight, live on Truth and Liberty. Dr. Susan Michael, we welcome you to the program. Oh, thank you very much. It's great to be with you. Well, it's great to be with you in spite of our, our hearts are heavy for the, the human tragedy that's unfolding there in God's land, the Middle East, uh, Israel. But um, first, I want you to tell everybody about the International Christian Embassy. What is, what is your work? And tell us about it, please. Well, the organization was born in 1980 in Jerusalem. And uh, there were two things happening in 1980 that kind of converged and brought about the birth of this organization. And one was that summer, the Israeli Knesset, which is the, their parliament, had passed what's called the Jerusalem Bill. And they declared 
all of Jerusalem to be the eternal and undivided capital of the state of Israel. So in other words, Jerusalem would never be divided again. And, um, and there was tremendous international uproar against that. And the Arab countries threatened oil embargoes on any country that recognized Jerusalem as the capital. So the countries that had embassies in Jerusalem literally picked, packed them up and moved them out of the city. And it was a very traumatic moment. Now, at the very same time, there were a group of Christians living in the city had been praying a lot about starting a work on behalf of Israel. And they also had been praying about beginning an annual Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. Why? Because it's the one biblical feast of the Lord that it's prophesied that one day all the nations would come up to Jerusalem and celebrate it. That's Mm. in the book of Zechariah. And so they said, we, the churches don't even know what the feast is. And so we need to begin teaching about it and begin a celebration. So in September of 1980 was the very first international Christian celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And they had about a thousand Christians that came from 15 countries. And it was there that they announced, we do not support what our governments have just done. And therefore, we're starting an international Christian embassy in Jerusalem that represents the millions of Bible-believing Christians around the world who understand the significance of Jerusalem to the Jewish people because we Mm -hmm. read about it in our Bible and therefore stand with Israel at that moment. And so we were welcomed very warmly with open arms, and um, we were referred to as the only embassy in Jerusalem for um, most of the next, what, uh, 40 years until right. the U.S. Embassy opened. And, um, and our, you know, our name and our story sounds a little political, but actually our focus from day one was not political. It, our mission statement was right out of Scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says the Lord, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And we knew that after over 1,700 years of terrible relations between Jews and Christians and a long history of even Christian anti-Semitism, that we were starting a whole new relationship with the Jewish people through this organization. Mm -hmm. And we were just there to love them and support them. And it's been a tremendous work over the years. I've seen us pioneer a whole new relationship between Jews and Christians, we've pioneered a global movement of support for Israel. Um, We have uh, really made a dent uh, really in history. And uh, we're still there on the ground in Israel. We have a presence in over 90 countries. So my my day-to-day responsibility is the director for the United States. Uh, where we focus here on making awareness of our ministry in Israel and raising the funds for the projects there mm-hmm. and then educating the church and our nation. Wonderful. And l- let me ask you this, uh, colleagues, friends, relatives that are in Israel right now, um, have, have you lost loved ones or do, what is the status of, of your team that is there in the midst of all the fighting? We've lost many friends and colleagues, but I will say that all of our staff and our staff families are safe, but we pray for their safety every day. We Mm -hmm. were on a global prayer call 
just two days ago. And during the call, a missile fell right down the street from our president's home. Mm -hmm. And you could hear it uh, on the, the Zoom call. So we cannot assume their safety. We need to cover them in prayer every day for safety. Mm. Uh, I, I want you to give your website. And folks, if you're just tuning in, Alex McFarland here on Truth and Liberty. We're talking with Dr. Susan Michael of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Uh, if you would give your website, I, I know you have work in, uh, does my memory serve me, 90 countries? Yes. Mm -hmm. We have that, a presence there. Yes, and, your, your website. And so we're working out in those nations, bringing an awareness of Israel, bringing about mobilizing churches in support of Israel, uh, bringing education. And um, so we're very active all around the world. But the focus of our ministry is in Israel. And so our website is icejusa.org. And there mm -hmm. they can find ways to donate to the crises relief fund we're doing right now in Israel. They can visit my blog where I have over two or 300 articles at this point on various subjects and uh, a whole list of other resources that we have. God bless you. And folks, if you want to call in, and in a few moments, we're going to pick up the phones. The number is 719-619-2341 if you've got a question for Dr. Michael. So give us a little context, if you would. Uh, there was the Six-Day War in 1967. There was the Yom Kippur War. And uh, Benjamin Netanyahu has formally declared that Israel is at war. Uh, am, am I right? The, the last time, and I know there are many skirmishes and Israel is perpetually having to defend itself, but uh, the last time they formally declared war was in 73. Is that, is that right? Well, that may be right. Um, I do know that Netanyahu was very, very clear that this is not just an operation. This is a war. And right. we will be fighting it until we've won and the war uh, is over. And uh, the, the thing about this situation, you know, in 1967 and in 1973, uh, this, the situation was so dangerous that it could have escalated into a world war. And um, between the Russians and the Arab world and then the United States, everyone positioning themselves in this conflict. And what really helped bring an end to those wars was the American uh, hardware and artillery that we provided. And as soon as the Arab uh, enemies, the, the you know, army saw this new hardware coming on in the assistance, they knew that there was no way they could defeat Israel. And it helped to bring an end to both of those conflicts. Sure. Now, this one, while it looks like it's just a skirmish, say, in the Gaza area, a terrible attack, but limited to Gaza, it has the same potential for escalation because we have another Iran-backed militia on the northern border of Israel with Lebanon, mm -hmm. and that's where Hezbollah is. And then we have Syria right next to Lebanon that might be drawn in. And then we have Iran, who's behind the whole thing. And uh, this really could develop into a global confrontation. I pray that that won't happen. I'm only saying that there's the potential of it. And that's why I think the show of American support is so 
important because it could help bring a quicker end to this than if we were seen to be weak. And mm -hmm. that's another point I'll make quickly is that we believe that this whole thing took place because Israel was seen as at a weak place. Uh, they had had terrible internal divisions, mm -hmm. five elections mm -hmm. in the last, what, three, four years, yeah. uh, ongoing protest in the streets, um, a lot of division, and they were made to look weak and vulnerable. And, and a lot of us that have watched this for years, we were very worried because we know once the enemy sees you're weak, they'll attack. And that's exactly what happened. They took advantage of this weak position. And we discovered Israel was actually weaker than we all realized. And that mm. their security, their intelligence did not know about this attack that was being planned. And that's why, uh, you know, over a thousand, I think probably 2,000 fighters, I'm not sure, of the Hamas numbers made their way into Israel and just a murder spree for 24 hours before the IDF could mobilize and get down there and start pushing back. Sure. That's a terrible uh, weakness on Israel's part, and it shows their vulnerability. The enemy saw it and moved in. Sure, a, a, a really tragic breach of security. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Michael, uh, only a few miles from where I sit right now is the United, Sta United States Air Force Academy. And there are a number of bases all around and a lot of Christian people that serve in our military. And um, I've lived here over the last 20 years, lived here eight years and then uh, come back. Um, I pretty much live here now. Uh, but here's the thing I've always heard from uh, high-ranking people in the Air Force Academy and all around. Uh, I always heard Israel has the best intel in the world. I mean, I've heard that countless numbers of times. So when I begin to see all these things unfold on Saturday and, of course, up to the present moment, um, you know, I, I've got to ask, how, how, did this, how did this get under the radar and happen? Could you speak to that a bit? Well, it's going to go down in history as their greatest intelligence failure of, of all time. It was mm. a terrible failure in their part. Now, I agree with you. Israel does have the best intelligence, if not the best intelligence in the world. So how did this happen? And I think that it just still is an indication of the, the political divisions in Israel, just like what we have in our country. Uh, we also are weak and vulnerable right now. And this is what mm -hmm. it's a wake-up call for the church in America and for uh, our country, that once the enemy sees that you're weak, they take advantage of it. Now, for the intelligence, um, there's another factor here that, uh, in a way, Hamas had lulled the Israeli intelligence asleep because they had never done anything on this scale before. Instead, you had rocket launches, and Israel knew how to deal with rocket launches. Or they the might Iron have Dome, riots. right? Yeah, or they might have riots at the border where they knew how to take care of riots. But never had they had such a well-coordinated, planned-out attack like this from the land, the air, and the sea all at once and in such large numbers. They'd never had it, and they were totally unprepared for it. And I think it's a clear indication, just my personal opinion, but that it's a clear indication of the role of Iran in training them 
and preparing these Hamas fighters to do something that was so far superior than what they'd ever done before. They had training and extensive planning, and they planned everything and executed it so well. That shows me they had a high level of training, and that points to Iran. How many Hamas soldiers are on the ground uh, either in or trying to enter Israel at this point? Do we know? Well, um, I know it was over a thousand, but I just read today that uh, Israel has recovered 1,500 bodies of Hamas fighters that have been killed. Mm. So that tells me there was a good 2,000 or more that breached the border and came in and they dispersed and mm. uh, went into all the different villages. And so Israel has been going home to home, village to village, trying to find any ones that are still hiding and uh, get rid of them. They've also, they've taken some uh, prisoners, but mm. the numbers are astounding. It was so large and so well planned. To what degree is Hamas uh, armed with missiles or airplanes? Um, how, how well armed are they? They do not have uh, an air force, but they do have drones and they use these gliders that they were able to get over the border and glide into Israel. And the gliders, from the gliders, they were actually able to drop bombs on communities. And um, so they've used a very low tech technology <laughs> Uh, to the fullest, and it was totally under the radar. Israel mm. just, they've never used gliders before, and Israel mm. wasn't anticipating it. Sure. Um, what about the old city? Um, ha have any um, shots landed there and damaged historic biblical sites? In Jerusalem? Yeah. Uh, no. No, yeah. there's been uh, no hits in the old city of Jerusalem. The only hits have been on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Right. Um, on that uh, western border <clears throat> closer to Gaza, you know, just right there at the border or at the south. Mm -hmm. um, but so far, nothing has gotten into the inside of Jerusalem. So uh, this morning on the news, um, just some of the, uh, like you say, murders. I mean, this is like a murder spree and vicious, uh, just unspeakable crimes against humanity. Um, first of all, I've, I've got to ask this, and forgive me for being suspect, but I, I don't trust the American news media. I really don't. Um, it, I suspect it's probably worse than even what we're, we're seeing on the news. I mean, is that a, a fair assessment? or Well, what yes, because they can't even show you the gruesomeness of what happened. I, I can't take it. When I see a, another video pop up on my feed, I don't even want to look at it myself. They chopped heads off of children. I mean, they, it, what they did to the people was so inhumane. It's pure evil. Mm -hmm. And it's a pure hatred of Jewish people to the point of kill anybody and everybody. It didn't matter young or old, male or female, elderly or babies or infants. And I read one story about a couple that when they realized what was taking place, in their community and that they were at danger, they took their two 10-month-old babies and hid them in a shed in the back of their house. Mm -hmm. And then the couple was murdered. 
And 14 hours later, uh, the Israeli forces found the two 10-month-old babies alive. Mm. And um, But that shows you that even those 10-month-old babies would have been murdered if they had oh, been yeah. found. Uh, yeah. It's just horrendous. They went into a whole community and just killed the entire community of Barry. And mm-hmm. I, we were just there two days before, not me personally, but our organization. We took a group of 600 Christians from over 50 nations down to that Gaza envelope area and held a solidarity rally to let the people of the South know that the Christians were praying for them and we were loving them. And we've placed over 175 bomb shelters in those communities. We've worked with them for years. And so one of the things we did with our group down there is we planted little tree starts around the community of Barry because they were so close to the Gaza uh, border and there's a big trash dump right on the other side of the fence and these trees would also provide security for them because Mm -hmm. the Palestinians couldn't see through the trees to shoot so it was a security thing and a gift to the community well that is the exact place that Hamas breached through because they used bulldozers from that trash dump and knocked down the fence and came through and they wiped out the community of Barry. Mm. So it, we were right there. It's very close to home for us. We had worked with these people for years. We knew all the security officials, all the community leaders. We knew many of the social workers, the, the schools. We had placed bomb shelters in schools. We'd met with the children. We had you know, laughed with them and, and had uh, refreshments with them. And this is a community that's been wiped out. So um, it, it, it's heart-wrenching, and it's pure evil. So it I don't is. know how the American news could even really portray it. It's, it's so gruesome. Uh, I, I want to get your analysis of the White House response and some of the elected officials. But first, um, it is worth pointing out, as you know, uh, it seems like the, the one form of racism that is still allowed to exist unchecked is anti-Semitism. There was an article uh, October, two years ago, October of 21, Dr. Michael, I've got this in a presentation that I give, how uh, a Jewish leader wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal and said, you know, in this age where racism is condemned, and it should be, we, we condemn racism, but the, the one animus, the one racism, the, the one that is just, uh, you know, malice against fellow human beings that's allowed to exist, and in fact, even at American university campuses is actually encouraged, is anti-Semitism. And uh, I, I would say this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but the position of leftist politicians, the, poli- the position of leftist academics, and the unwillingness of celebrities and people of leadership, the unwillingness to speak out in solidarity with Israel, this has emboldened the terrorist. In Canada, you, might, you probably saw the Canadian news media today put out an edict that the Hamas killers were not to be referred to in print as terrorists. So all of that to ask you, has the position of the West to not stand with Israel, and in fact often to stand against Israel and their right to exist, that has really emboldened terrorism. Am I right? 
Of course, because that's another sign of weakness. If the American government doesn't have Israel's back, then that means it's a good time to attack. Um, and I don't think that this attack would have taken place with Trump in the White House because he was so Amen. vocal and so Amen. committed to support, whereas Biden was playing a game and hadn't invited Netanyahu to the White House and was holding Israel you know, at arm's length and would give uh, lip service every once in a while, but it really wasn't uh, from the heart. And uh, so, yeah, I think that probably was a factor. Now, today he came out with a strong statement in support. We're very grateful for that. I'm grateful yes. for any statement of support. And um, whether it's really, really genuine from him and his heart really doesn't matter as long as our government backs it up and really does provide the support that, that Israel needs. Right. Oh, well, I'm with you. I want to give credit where it's due. And uh, what I've heard from the Biden White House today has been uh, encouraging. But, but let's just say this, and, and I'll be on record as saying it, and I thought about this Saturday morning. Uh, we know, had somebody else been in the Oval Office uh, by the name of, of Donald J. Trump, uh, we wouldn't be here, would we? No, and Trump would not have released that $6 billion to Iran either. So the Biden administration just released all this money back to Iran, which is another form of emboldening them. And it indirectly could be actually a funding of Hamas. Um, you know, you, money's fudgeable, but if they've got an extra $6 billion coming through, they can throw some more at Hamas or Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a travesty that he did that. We're coming up on a break, folks. If you're just tuning in, a very special edition of Truth and Liberty. Our, our special guest, Dr. Susan Michael of the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. Now, your phone calls. We're going to take calls and questions. Tonight is the night for all things Israel and what's going on, the war there in Israel. If you want to call in, the number is 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. Dr. Michael, you mentioned uh, funding bomb shelters and uh, basically doing some things to make Israel safe and stand with Israel. Give your website and um, how people might uh, participate with you and join yes. in. Yes, our website is icejusa.org and right first thing they'll see is the Israel in Crises Fund and can click to donate to Israel in Crises. We are not just doing bomb shelters, but we're now raising money for ambulances. They have a shortage of ambulances. Uh, we're raising money to house the evacuees from that Gaza area that no longer have homes. Many mm. don't have clothing, food. We're trying to help care for them, provide counseling. So there's many things that we're doing to uh, help alleviate some of the suffering there in Israel. And we would just welcome anyone's support, which helps us to do more uh, to help the needy. Mm -hmm. uh, let me let me ask you this: Are there like videos or short trailers that churches could play this upcoming weekend? Do you have any like downloadable digital resources? Well, we could certainly provide one, um, and if if they want to email us at info at icejusa.org and ask for it. We would certainly provide something. 
Mm-hmm. And, and let me just say, as a, a former pastor, uh, look, uh, in your churches, if you're a pastor, uh, inform your people about the state of things. Make your people aware of the International Christian uh, Embassy Jerusalem and raise awareness. If you're a Sunday school teacher, uh, influence your friends and Americans one and all. Listen, the only stable democracy in the Middle East, our longest ally in the Middle East, plus, as I said, Psalm 122, that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Genesis 12, God says he will bless those that bless Israel. So we've got a break. We're going to come right back more with Dr. Susan Michael, plus your calls and questions on this edition of Truth and Liberty. Stay tuned. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, All you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. You were created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey everybody, Richard Harris here. I wanted to let you know that the Truth and Liberty live call-in show is now on Twitter. You can watch us there at 3.30 Mountain Time, 5.30 Eastern Time, five days a week. Just go and follow us on Twitter at Truth and Liberty Co. That's C-O. And remember, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So don't miss out. Watch us live on Twitter. Welcome back to the program. Alex McFarland here. Before we resume our conversation with Dr. Susan Michael, there's a couple of very exciting things that we want you to be aware of. The Women Arise Conference is coming to Karis Bible College November 2 through 4, just a little under a month. Now listen to this. Keynote speakers, Audrey Mack, Elizabeth Murin, that's amazing enough, right? But also Carrie Pickett. Women Arise, you can go and register at awmi.net. That's November 2 through 4. And folks, I say this everywhere I go. I'm on the road speaking every weekend. If you've never come to Karis, one visit to this campus and you'll be sold. It is amazing. World-class facilities, people from everywhere, an incredible Christian education, great events throughout the year, great facilities, but the, the greatest thing of all, the presence of the Lord is here. It is just undeniable. I was just here at the Truth and Liberty Conference back in the month of September, and somebody said, hey, this was their first time to visit Karis. And they said, you know, you just can't argue with authenticity. This is real. There's a move of God taking place, and we want you to experience it. Women Arise 2023, November 2 through 4. But listen to this. November 9 through 11, on the East Coast, the Atlanta Gospel Truth Conference 2023. Now, this is November 9 through 11. 
at the Georgia South Convention Center. Andrew Womack will be there in person. Greg Fritz, it will be unforgettable. I don't know if you've ever been to some of the conferences around the country. I've been to Phoenix and several other events around the country. It's amazing. Gospel Truth Atlanta. And again, you can learn about that and you can register and attend by going to awmi.net. And one last thing before we uh, go and resume our conversation. If you need prayer tonight, do you know, maybe you're a little apprehensive. Do you know Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, every word of God is pure and God is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Tonight, maybe you're apprehensive. All this talk about escalating and, you know, World War III and you're you're a little unnerved by this. That's completely understandable. If you want prayer tonight, there's somebody that will pray with you. Look, no strings attached, no obligation. We just want to help you. We want to encourage you. And from the pages of God's Word, we'll tell you how you can be saved. If you need to be born again, we'll give you God's answer for your situation. And that number for prayer, 719-635-1111. 719-635-1111. And we would be honored to pray with you, agree with you, and tell you what God's Word says about your situation. Well, we're here tonight, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Susan Michael uh, from the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. And there's so much I want to ask you, Dr. Michael, but first of all, I just want to say thank you. Um, I applaud what you're doing. Um, I was in college when I became a Christian at age 21, and I remember, and this was in the late 1980s during the Reagan years, and I remember my professors would make disparaging remarks about the nation of Israel and just basically deny their right to self-defense, almost deny their right to exist. And I, I knew nothing about anything. I was just a 21-year-old didn't really understand world events at all at that point in my life. And I remember thinking, why do my professors seem to hate the nation of Israel? And it, it really helped me understand the spiritual dynamics. Uh, uh, let me say this, and I'll, I'm going to throw you a question. Mark Twain, who was not a Christian as far as we know, Mark Twain, he lived uh, 1835 to 1910, famous writer. But he said this, all things in this world are mortal but the Jews. And even Mark Twain uh, recognized that the supernatural dynamics that seem to surround the Jewish people and wave after wave of persecution, it seemed to indicate to him the reality of the supernatural. And I would agree. So all of that to, to ask you this, um, isn't it uncanny that this people group that's disproportionately small, the Jewish people have been subjected over all the centuries to persecution and, and hatred. Um, I believe it's because through the line of Abraham, the nation of Israel, Jesus the Messiah was born. I think that's why Satan has hated the Jewish people and does so to this day. W would you agree? Oh, sure. And not only was Jesus born through them, but the kingdom of God is coming to earth. The Messiah is coming back to Jerusalem. So they will usher him back. And for that reason, they are hated by the powers of hell and the powers of evil. And God understood that. And that's why he guaranteed their survival. 
He said, you will never cease to be a nation before me. And Isaiah said that as, you know, as sure as the new heaven and the new earth are, that God was create, so would their name remain. So that is a guarantee by the God Amen. of heaven that they would survive. And it's Amen. because he understood the battle that would be against them. And I often refer to Psalm 83. The first few verses, it basically says, Oh God, those who hate you have declared, let us cut them off as a nation, that the name of Israel would be no more. And that mm. shows that it's actually a spiritual enemy of God himself. And the Jewish people are kind of caught in between there because they're the people on earth that God has been working through to bring about his plan of redemption and still is. He's brought them back to their land today. He's still working through and in them to execute his plan for the earth. And until it's all over, that those powers of hell will continue to uh, oppose them and attack them. And that's why God has raised up the church in this day to understand this and to pray for them and to yes. stand in solidarity with them. We understand the spiritual warfare more than anybody else in the world, and we need to cover them with prayer and stand with Amen. them. Well, we've got some questions that are coming in online. Let, let me ask you a couple of these questions. Somebody asked uh, this question, how can we pray against pure evil? A lot of people are using that word evil, and indeed what Hamas is doing is evil. How can we pray against that, Dr. Michael? Well, there's many examples, especially in the Psalms, of prayer against the enemy and prayer that the enemy would be confounded that they would be confused and not able to execute their plans, that uh, evil would be brought down and, um, and eradicated, and that the peoples would come under the rule of, of God, the King. And those are very biblical prayers. So I would get out the book of Psalm and start praying from there and to pray mm -hmm. over Israel, Psalm 91, mm -hmm. and a prayer of protection over them, and to just call out the word of God where it says that he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Now Praise to us, God. it looks like he must have been asleep Saturday morning, right? Mm. But we know that's not the case. We know that he saw it. He saw the end from the beginning. And sometimes we just have to trust him, you know, in these things. But just calling out the word of God is the most powerful way to pray in these situations. Amen. Amen. Uh, somebody asks this, and then I, I've got a, what I, I think is going to be a, a pretty potent line of questions. And by the way, thank you. I just want to say thank you for your wisdom. And I, I know you've devoted your life to, to this, and uh, it's so beneficial to the rest of us learning from you tonight, and I appreciate it. But somebody asked this question, if Israel is not a Christian nation, and I know there are a lot of born-again people. I, I met, I've met born-again Jews when I've been in Israel, but predominantly uh, they have not yet received their Messiah. So somebody asked the question, if Israel is not a Christian nation, why does it have favor with God? Because of God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and all what he spoke through the Hebrew prophets. 
God chose this people to be the vehicle of his plan of world redemption. He needed a people to work through on the earth in real time and real space. And so he created them. He didn't just choose them. He created them. The birth of Isaac was a miracle. He was a miracle baby. And he started the lineage. And through this people, God then revealed himself, his character, his name, who he is, how to worship him, all that he revealed to them in the wilderness so that then it would go out to the world. And he gave them covenants that are not just for themselves, but they actually bring about the plan of redemption for the earth. So the new covenant that we read about in Jeremiah 31, that the Mm. Christian world has so claimed that we're under the new covenant. The new covenant was for Israel and the house of Judah. When you read Mm. Jeremiah 31, it's their covenant. We are grafted into it. We're able to enjoy all the spiritual benefits of it through Jesus. But God is still at work with the Jewish people. That's why he's brought them back to the land. And he's going to fulfill his promises to David for an everlasting throne and an everlasting kingdom. And yes, at the end, I believe Jesus will uh, return and reveal himself to them. And in the book of Zechariah, it describes a day of a national turning when they look upon him whom they had pierced and mourn as for an only son. It's a day of a national opening of their eyes and a national acceptance and returning. And that, my friend, is what the Apostle Paul says is going to be as life from the dead for the earth. That's the day that all of God's promises and plans are fulfilled. The kingdom of God is in, uh, in earth. The Messiah is on the throne. And so until that day, they are still the chosen people and God is still working through them. Amen. And you know, uh, Dr. Michael, I've said this before many an audience, the greatest favor any president could ever do the American people is to be friends with Israel. Uh, Folks, this is Truth and Liberty. Alex McFarland here. So honored that you're watching. By the way, truthandliberty.net is the website. You can watch this over again. You can send a link and share this with somebody. Uh, We've got articles. I've got an op-ed that I wrote yesterday that's being carried tomorrow in the national media. Uh, I'm going to give it to Richard Harris and the Truth and Liberty staff, and it'll be up uh, along with other blog articles. But truthandliberty.net, you can subscribe. And so we're talking with Dr. Susan Michael, but I want to go to the first telephone call. Uh, This is Aaron in Colorado. Aaron, thanks for holding and welcome to the program tonight with our guest, Dr. Susan Michael. Good evening or good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for calling. Uh, Well, my question to the doctor is with regards to this uh, heinous attack, which is pure evil, what does she think about the Palestinian Authority last month receiving U.S.-made armored vehicles and weapons in Jordan, and the 5,000 Palestinian authorities that have been trained by the U.S. in Jordan, and they were supposed to stop uh, Israeli attacks. Well, it kind of sounds to me like they were armed and equipped to kick off an attack. What do you think? Well, the Palestinian Authority, of course, is in government over the West Bank. So um, they, they were not involved in this 
uh, attack from Gaza, which is ruled by Hamas. It's two different factions within the Palestinians. But I will say we should never be arming and, and giving that type of equipment to the Palestinian Authority until they have agreed to live in peace with, with Israel. And we know that such arms are used for security, uh, not for attacking Israel. And we continue to make this mistake over and over and over of sending money to the Palestinian Authority. Mm -hmm. They're living in palaces. They're lining the, their own pockets with this money. And there's still refugee camps in the West Bank. There are still Palestinians living in refugee camps while the world is pouring money into yes. their government supposed to provide for them. So it's, yeah. it's a corrupt government. And uh, it, that's a huge mistake, what you just described. Indeed. And uh, Dr. Michael, I remember this was about 10 years ago, but uh, on the Palestinian side across the Kidron Valley, they needed water. This was about 10 years ago. And $2 billion, it was a little north of $2 billion, was given for a water plant. Uh, to desalinate seawater to make seawater potable or drinkable, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I remember reading an article, it wasn't a Christian uh, coverage, it was in the secular newswire around the world, that the money that would have ostensibly provided fresh water for Palestinians was not used for fresh water, but it was, not, it was used for terrorist arms, even, and in this picture, children being used, uh, being shown how to use automatic weapons. And ultimately, and, and look folks, we want to be on record, we care about the humanitarian needs. And if it legitimately can help people, we're on board. But time and time and time again, relief and money that was supposed to better the condition of those Islamic Arabic peoples, it's been used for terrorism, hasn't it? Yes, and in Gaza, right there on the sea, uh, that's probably where that desalination plant was supposed to be. Yeah. Israel's leading the world in water conservation and in converting seawater into uh, water that they can use. And um, and so, yeah, there, there's so many ways that the Palestinian people would be the most blessed nation, the most blessed Arab nation, if they would have just lived in peace with Israel. They would have benefited from all this technology and the innovation, and they would have been so prosperous and oh, living so much at peace. But instead, they have corrupt governments that fight against it. And the truth is they make a lot of money off a of war. So as mm. long as they can uh, appeal to the world that they need money because of this evil Israel and they need to fight or they need uh, you know, help because they're so persecuted, then money keeps pouring in and they make a lot of money off of this. If they no longer had a conflict, it would be up to them to tax their people and have a decent run government with society, sure. and that's a whole lot harder. So they don't want to do that. But in the Gaza Strip, their government is Hamas. It is a terrorist organization, and it's far worse uh, for the people there in Gaza. Their children are poisoned with hatred and anti-Semitism yeah. in their schools. And in Gaza, the average age is 19 years old. That's about 10 years younger than the average population elsewhere. 
And so that means it's made up of all kinds of young people that don't see opportunity and that have been fed this evil poison in the schools. And this is what it's producing is Hamas mm. fighters. Ron in Texas. Folks, if you have a question for Dr. Susan Michael or myself, the number is 719-619-2341. Ron in Texas, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Uh, thank you. Uh, just wanted to get your opinion with uh, the upcoming budget debate uh, funding the war in Ukraine. What's the difference between not sending or reducing money that's going to be ever sent to Ukraine to sending aid or military support or just aid in general to Israel? What What's the distinction between these two activities? Great question. Um, and before Dr. Michael answers, let, let me just say, folks, this is a great incentive to populate both houses of Congress with uh, responsible, rational leaders that not only want to advocate for the interests of the American people, but leaders that have the right worldview when it comes to foreign affairs, especially uh, in supporting Israel. And as a Christian, biblically, there are so many reasons that I could speak in favor of support to Israel. But just, it's a safer world, the betterment of the human condition throughout the Middle East when we support Israel. But uh, folks, how we spend our money, especially on international relief and armaments, this is a good argument for voting and voting the right people to Washington. But Dr. Michael, I want to let you speak to this, if you would. Well, I can speak to the difference and uh, the importance of aid to Israel. Um, you know, we do not provide general aid to Israel. Our funding to them is out of the defense budget and it's, it's defense spending. And about, I've forgotten the number, I think it's about 85% of that money is actually spent in the United States buying arms and weapons and all from our own defense companies. So it's not like it's charity and uh, where we're paying for bread, that kind of thing. And the benefit is not only does it benefit our, our defense industry, but we benefit from the Israeli advancement of the technology and a lot of these weapons and the tanks and of course their development of the Iron Dome system, we help fund it. Now mm -hmm. we're using it. So uh, Israel is a great benefit to the United States. And what we invest in their uh, development and military complex and all is a great benefit to our own uh, military. And what we invest in their intelligence, um, you know, despite the fact they just had a major failure in intelligence, we've benefited a lot from Israeli intelligence. Mm -hmm. So every penny we invest in Israel, I see it as an investment. It's not just a charity. We're right. investing in something that we're benefiting from. They have our back in the Middle East. They're the only stable democracy that's pro-American and really has our back. And they really, uh, we benefit greatly from our investment there. Amen. Well said. Ron, thank you. Good question. We're going to go to Randall. Uh, Randall is a subscriber. Randall, thank you for being a subscriber. By the way, folks, if you go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe, you'll get the emails, you'll get content we create. We believe it'll help you stay up to date on the issues. Randall is one of those subscribers and a student 
at Karis. Thanks for all that you stand for, Randall, and thanks for calling in tonight. Well, thank you for taking my call, Alex. Um, my question would be to the doctor, as it said that Nero fiddled as Rome burned, what does she think or what should she think about our supposedly elect, duly elected president throwing a party on the White House lawn uh, with live music uh, in light of these attacks? Um, well, the timing is very unfortunate and... Um, you know, I, I, I can't really make a judgment whether he should have canceled their plans or whatever, but uh, the timing is very unfortunate. And, and I don't think in those early hours we understood the gravity of the situation either. And um, it, it took throughout the day for the news to develop that we understood what a, a terrible tragedy. And uh, so, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Dr. Michael, and, and Randall, thank you for that call. I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it did look unseemly that a barbecue and a you know, lawn party was going on. We know that had to have been planned weeks in advance. And uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm as openly critical of the Biden administration as anybody, but uh, it was planned weeks in advance. Uh, you know, it's just one of those unfortunate photo ops, if you will, that, but it seems like um, there could have been a little more quickly mobilized response. Mm -hmm. But I've got a question for you here online. Uh, why do liberals hate Israel? What did Israel ever do to them? Uh, let me compound that question, Dr. Michael. It seems like American uh, Democrats that are Jewish very often support the PLO, they stand against Israel. I mean, if anybody would stand with a beleaguered, downtrodden, oppressed people group, you would think it would be American liberals, but certainly American Jewish liberals. Have, have, you, have you pondered the, the uh, disconnect and incongruity of that? Well, yes, and there's, you know, there's been a, um, a progression here of the left, which, which was good on Israel. And, and it has progressed just like the Democratic Party has changed so much over the last 20 years. It's just, it's not the same party it used to be. And so today, the liberals um, are so anti-Israel because Israel, in a way, flies in the face of the ruling ideologies of today. The ruling ideology, number one, is globalism. And Israel is still a, a state based on nationalism. And uh, they are a Jewish nation state. And they were born in a wave of nationalism that went across the world after World War I uh, and World War II. And, but today, every, all the liberals are about globalism and doing away with national differences and people differences. So that's number one. Number two, the world is highly secular now. And anybody that promotes any kind of religiosity, well, Israel is a Jewish nation state. So they are a state created for the Jewish people. And so that makes them a pariah on the world scene. And then you have the world trying to go towards a pacifist 
type of, of ideology, which is a joke because you can't do it entirely, but they, they promote that, a pacifism. And so anybody that has to have a strong army or that does military operations is looked down upon, and Israel stays alive through its military operations. So mm -hmm. all of this puts Israel at the crosshairs of the ruling ideologies of our world. And then you have to talk about the influence of anti-Semitism uh, within, uh, it is there within the far left. It's also there in the far right, I will say, but it definitely is there in the far left and is increasing and becoming more and more mainstream in the far left. And as you pointed out, Alex, the uh, contradiction here is that so many of the Jewish community in America are of the liberal uh, ideology. And how, mm -hmm. how can this be? And, and it is, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to even explain. But I will say that more and more of them are uh, becoming more conservative and are very, uh, they are very pro-Israel. And um, the, those numbers are increasing. It, it's still a minority. But the numbers uh, are increasing as they see how bad the liberals are on Israel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let me just say, having dialogued with um, Muslim college students, uh, I was at uh, West Texas A&M University to speak, and uh, I had a couple of very anti-Semitic college students that were part of a Muslim student alliance. They were talking about how uh, Israel didn't have a right to exist. So folks, you've got to understand on the American Secular University campus, there are many students and certainly, certainly many academics that are very anti-Israel. But I'll share this, Dr. Michael, uh, the last trip that I made to Israel, we were literally on the Temple Mount and we were talking to a group of Islamic college students that offered us, we were on the Temple Mount, they offered us a little booklet that was in about half a dozen languages on how to become a Muslim. And uh, they, they just said, we were talking about Israel and this one college student, I'm gonna say she was 20, she said Israel should be driven into the sea. So you've got to understand, they really don't recognize Israel's right to exist. Now we've got a break. Stay tuned folks, so many questions, don't go away. Truth and Liberty is back after this. We get to stop looking at this word as someday. We gotta look at it, it is for now. And the Spirit of God, don't you think is big enough to teach you, to show you how to do things? Stop thinking that one day when I am super spiritual or when I have the money I need. No, start doing what he called you to do right now with the strength you have. So Father, we say yes to that today. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I wanna remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. 
That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty, a very special edition of Truth and Liberty as the eyes of the world are on Israel. And we have a very special guest, Dr. Susan Michael of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. Um, we've got questions, so much to talk about. Uh, two things. No, number one, Dr. Michael, I want to thank you for giving us an education tonight on Israel and the status over there and really foreign affairs. But you've got a book out, and I want you to give the website of the International Christian Embassy. I want you to talk about your book, where we can find it, and any, any calls to action that you would care to share with our viewers. Well, uh, yeah, I invite them to go to our website. It's icejusa.org. And the first thing they'll see is an Israel in Crises graphic with a click here to donate. We are on the ground in Israel assessing the needs by the minute. So we are assessing where people need emergency bomb shelters because the rockets continue uh, flying. They need ambulances. They need housing for the evacuees, food, clothing. Um, they, some of the reserve officers need food and water, believe it or mm. not. So we're assessing this constantly. And um, if you give, you can be assured that 100% of your donation will go straight to Israel, straight into crises uh, relief. You'll also find on our website, my blog, and some of our resources and our books. The book Alex referred to is called Encounter the 3D Bible, How mm. to Read the Bible So It Comes to Life. What we have learned is that when a, a person is reading or studying their Bible and they don't understand the Israel peace, they don't understand the role of the Jewish people, then the Bible begins to make less sense. There's almost like a disconnect between the Old Testament and the New. And so I wrote this really simple introduction to the Bible that it's a quick read. It's really easy to understand and follow. It's great for the beginner, but I've had people write in and say, I've been reading the Bible for 50 years and never did I know how to read it. And I, I just regret the years that I thought the Bible was boring or confusing. And this book helped them. So I wanted to share that with your listeners. I wrote it just to help them to understand their Bible because it's so exciting. It is so true. It is so accurate. And oh, yes. what started 4,000 years ago with Abraham is being fulfilled today. And once you understand that, the whole thing comes alive. And so that's why I wrote the book. I thank you for letting me share about it. Uh, indeed, indeed. And it really is. I can attest, folks, if you want the Bible to come alive, understand the Israel connection. If you really want to understand world history and the history of the last 75 years, my goodness, from May 14, 1948 to this present moment, uh, Dr. Michael, I don't think you can understand the Bible or Christianity. I really don't think you can understand history without understanding the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. That's right. And God's covenants with them and yes. the calling on them. Then everything begins to make sense. 
Exactly, exactly. And we're going to talk more about this, but right now we're going to go to the phone calls. Texas, uh, Iona, uh, an AWM partner. First of all, thank you for praying for us and financially partnering with us. And am I pronouncing your name correctly? Is it Iona? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is Iona. Yes. Well, thank you for calling. And uh, what is your question for our guest? Okay. First of all, I want to correct something, too. I've got my bank statement, and I don't see you taking any money out for these uh, Truth and Liberty. And, and I had intended for that to go in, in uh, some of it to go into Truth and Liberty every month, too. Well, God bless and, you. I, I don't know about that, but we will follow up with you. I promise. Okay. Thank you for okay. your generosity. Okay. What I wanted to say was I, I got married in 1948, so I, I have followed Israel all my life, uh, all my married life, and I've been there many times. I traveled there many times and ministered uh, with a, a, a people that had lived there seven and a half years, which made a world of difference from the United States. And then um, uh, I want to say that uh, um, I've found other countries that I traveled to as a missionary uh, on mission trips that the first ones on the ground were always Israeli soldiers. Whatever skirmish was going on in the country, that they were the first ones on the ground, and they were honored even years later in the countries that I had visited, okay? Mm. And the other thing is I'm getting two news feeds from inside Israel because I, I uh, supported a ministry from the United States, Messianics, that went, to, that went to Israel and have remained in Israel all these years. Mm -hmm. So there is lots of feed uh, uh, pictures and, and uh, uh, things that are coming out of Israel. And I've, each day they have been sending, someone has been sending this stuff to me. Amen. Dr. Michael, I want to ask you a question. I want to hold that thought for a second. What are, can you name some news sites that, in your opinion, are the best news sites that we can follow to get true up-to-the-minute coverage about Israel, Dr. Michael? Well, um, the one email that I have relied on for years, it's not a site, but it, you can go there and sign up for the emails. And um, I have gotten it for years, and yet I want to make sure I get the name right on it. The email is called The Daily Alert, and it is put out by... Um, the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. Okay. And um, if you Google that, surely you can find it. It's not pulling up uh, right away on here. And it's it's a simple email, but they will highlight articles uh, on different subjects, and and um, you can always rely on on that one. The Daily um, Alert. The Daily Alert by the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs. I think JCPA. Okay. Um, I also uh, have been impressed by uh, Joel Rosenberg's new news service sure. called All Israel News. Right. Um, right. It's very good. And then there, the two Israeli sites are the Jerusalem Post and the Times of Israel. Those are two uh, excellent sites in English for yeah. the American audience. 
You know, incidentally, uh, when I, every year I go to NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, I was just there in the spring of this year. And uh, it's been my honor to meet Joel Rosenberg on a number of occasions. I've heard him speak. He really is great. And he's a born again Jewish person. Uh, tell the listeners again, what is Joel Rosenberg's uh, news service? It's called All Israel News. All Israel News. Uh, very trustworthy. Uh, Gordon in Colorado, thanks for holding. Gordon is a Karis student, and we praise God for that. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Hello, Alex. Hello there. Um, thanks for calling. My question is, um, I read a, a blurb on a news feed that said Biden was stressing the laws of war as Israel lay siege to Gaza, and I was wanting some more information on what those laws of war are, and is he has he done, in your guys' opinion, the same with Russia and Ukraine war? Mm. Laws of war, Dr. Michael. Can you I speak didn't to hear this? the very beginning. Biden said what about the laws of war? He was stressing uh, the laws of war, as, as what the blurb said, and so that's what I was trying to find out. What would those laws of war be that he would be stressing? Uh, and, and it sounded like it was he was uh, uh, talking with Israel as far as, you know, being well, in the I'll, laws or whatever that might be. Yeah, I don't know what I'll, I'll take a guess as to what he's talking about, but how that relates to any other war, I don't know. But um, Israel is a nation with a military, and so they are supposed to abide by certain laws of war about POWs and civilians and all of that. And they're very good about that. They do that. And if ever there is a slip up, there's, a, you know, something happens that looks like maybe they hadn't done the right, they do a full investigation, their own military. And if some, if a soldier messed up, then they're tried for it. So they do abide by the laws of war. Unfortunately, Hamas is not a real government. Gaza is not a state. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. So they went in and they broke every law of war, massacring uh, civilians, taking them as hostage, the whole thing. They, Killing they babies. War. Yeah. So it, it's a very unequal situation. Israel's so careful to make sure yes. that they conduct war according to the international standards. And it holds them back at many opportunities of not being able to act quickly and all. But they, they're very careful about that. Well, and, and I, I know by the, the Geneva Convention, I mean, some of the, quote, laws of war would include, like, the humane treatment of prisoners. Exactly. Which, uh, you know, it, it's always um, a puzzlement to me, Dr. Michael, how whenever uh, Israel defends itself, now, folks, listen very carefully. You know, it's always like, oh, be good, be good. You've got to understand Israel is not the aggressor here. Nations, biblically, nations and individuals have the right to self-defense. And Dr. Michael, it, it, it's always like Western liberals uh, essentially reprimand Israel for self-defense. Yes. And, and, and it's, it, it's ludicrous because she's not the aggressor. But yes. every time she has to go in and eradicate a terrorist group, like what's going to happen right now, the world gets all up in arms and it's this terrible, evil, Nazi-like 
uh, military of the Israelis. And it's just not the truth. It's just anti-Semitic uh, propaganda used against them. Amen. Uh, so much to say. Uh, we're going to go to Gordon. Thank you for your call. South Carolina on the eastern seaboard of the United States. Linda in South Carolina, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you. My question is really how prepared is Israel to fight this war? And I base that on a trip that I took to Israel back in the late 90s. And I saw a lot of what looked like teenagers carrying around weapons. And so I guess I'm also thinking in the means of like an athletic team. You've got your first line of defense, and that's your very best. And I'm sure Israel also has that. But then is there second line of defense? A lot of these really young people, like I saw when I was there, who be able to sustain this? Should this carry on for a period of time? Well, it, it is true that uh, young people being conscripted into the army, they look younger every year to us, don't they, as we get older. But it's 18 years old. And uh, many of them, they graduate from high school and they take a year off uh, to travel before they go into the army. But by about 18, I believe they, they go into the army for three years. I think the girls, it might be two years. And only after they come out of the army do they do college. So yes, they're young, but 18 is not considered a kid. 18 is very normal, I think, in um, a draft or something into the army. I think you'd see the same thing in the United States. But I agree with you; <laughs> they look younger uh, every year. But yes, Israel's very prepared. Their army is top notch. Um, they have career uh, officers, they have uh, training. And then the other thing they have is that because the country's so small, uh, once you leave your army duty at say 21, 22, you start college, you start your life, you continue to serve in the reserves until you're, th I think, 45. So mm. every year they're called up for a month of reserve duty and they leave their jobs and they go into the reserves. And so that's why now Israel's calling up all of their reserves, or at least maybe not all of them, but they've called up 380,000 reservists. So these are slightly wow. older people, they're professionals. Um, they uh, are giving up their jobs to go serve their country and defend their country. But Israel's military is top notch, and yes, they are prepared. Do we know, uh, Dr. Michael, what is the population of the nation of Israel uh, at this point? It's now just a little over 9 million, mm -hmm. but about 20% of Israel is not Jewish. So okay. the number of Jews in Israel is about uh, between 6 and 7 million, I think. I'd have to look up the numbers. Mm. Uh, Linda, thank you for your call. The number, folks, 719-619-2341. So... Uh, let's let's do this because I, I want people to appreciate the miraculous nature of the Six Day War in 1967. Could you briefly tell the people what happened in 1967, Dr. Michael? Well, in 1967, Israel uh, began to see troop movements all around them, and uh, they realized that there was an attack coming. And so they did a preemptive strike. 
and which of course is uh, often held against them. But the preemptive strike is what brought that war to such a quick end, along with other things. And I already mentioned the American military, our hardware. But uh, in just a few seconds, they wiped out the Egyptian Air Force, which was still on the ground. And that really gave them a great uh, advantage in that war. Uh, the war went on for six days. At the end of that war, Israel had, oh, I guess, uh, more than doubled in size because they had taken not only Gaza, which had been under Egypt, they took the entire Sinai uh, Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And then they took what today is known as the West Bank all the way over to the Jordan River. And then up in the north, they moved into the north of Syria and, um, and had the Golan Heights up there. So uh, their borders were expanded greatly because it was such a, uh, a miraculous victory. And one of the benefits of the Six-Day War is that now Jerusalem was no longer divided. They didn't just have the west part of the city, and Jordan had the rest they now had the whole city of Jerusalem and then all the way up to the Jordan River. Uh, but the city of Jerusalem was no longer divided. It was totally under Israeli sovereignty. And they were able to rebuild the city because the Jordanians had wiped out the Jewish quarter of the old city. They had destroyed all the synagogues, all the buildings. Mm -hmm. and, um, and they had actually done some damage to some churches as well. Now, under Israeli sovereignty, Jerusalem has just been rebuilt. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's thriving. Oh, it There's freedom of worship, freedom of access to all the holy sites, mm -hmm. Christians, Muslims, and Jews. Uh, you know, the only one that doesn't have full access to their holy sites are the Jews. They really can't go up on that Temple Mount like you described, Alex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, a few of them can go up there as long as they don't pray but they can't go up there regularly or in mass to hold prayer or anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but everybody else has complete freedom of access to their holy sites. So we're very grateful for Israeli sovereignty over Jerusalem. And that happened in the six day war. Well, uh, Israel is forever having to defend itself but, you know, we talk about the Six-Day War. We talk about the Yom Kippur War, which many, you know, Muslims call it the Ramadan War. It was 1973. So here's my question. Is this going to go down in the history books right alongside those? I mean, is this going to be, uh, and I know uh, we don't know because it's playing out even as we speak, but this attack by Hamas is, is going to be one for the history books, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so the, the Yom Kippur War, which uh, ended quickly, but it was a very serious war. But of course, it was initiated by a surprise attack on their highest holy day of the year, yeah. the Day of Atonement, the Day of Yom Kippur. All the, the Jewish men were in synagogues. They were praying and fasting all day. They don't yeah. have any radio or TV on because it's a a Shabbat, a Sabbath, but the most holy Sabbath. So they, many of them abide by that. And it was a surprise attack and it was devastating for them. Um, Israel almost lost that war. Golda Meir, who was prime minister, almost, almost committed suicide. 
Um, and uh, she called President Nixon and said, if you don't send help now, it's all over. And uh, President Nixon defied his cabinet and he sent military hardware and that helped turn the war around. Now, this, this incident this weekend is definitely going to go down in history as the most gruesome attack uh, in Israel's history. And it's already going down in history as the day where the largest number of Jews were killed in one day since the Holocaust. So God help only us. since the Holocaust has there been that big of a massacre of Jews. And this was an anti-Semitic massacre of Jews. This wasn't a military operation. This was uh, terrorism. So it will go down in history for that. It'll go down in history because of the huge surprise that it was and the intelligence failure that didn't know that it was about to take place. Um, and only the coming days and weeks are going to reveal the rest of what history will be made. The difference in this situation and the, say, the Yom Kippur War or the Six-Day War is that Israel militarily is much, much stronger now than it was 50 years ago for the Yom Kippur wow. War. Um, yeah. And um, so it, it's much stronger, and Hamas is much, much weaker than all those Arab armies that were attacking Israel. So in that regard, that's going to work to Israel's benefit, and maybe they can squash this and end it quickly. But that all is going to be determined by whether Hezbollah on the northern border stays out of it or not. If the northern border goes live, this is going to be a long battle, and it mm. will make it twice as hard for Israel to win, and it'll take twice as long for her to win. There will be far more casualties with rockets coming from the north and from the south at the same time. And so we just hope and pray that that doesn't happen. Sure. And that this show of American support will help keep it from escalating uh, and drawing in other players. That's our prayer. Uh, we're going to go to the call in just a moment, but I want to say in the strongest possible terms, folks, uh, mobilize your church to pray this Sunday. I, I get, look, I give God the glory. I've I've pastored two churches. I've preached in more than 2,000. I realize there are a lot of dynamics in a church, but this is something that every believing Christian must do. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Make it a part of your Sunday morning service. If your pastor uh, d doesn't quite understand, and I know many because some of our seminaries over the last really 25 or 30 years, some of our seminaries have not emphasized the Jewishness of the Christian faith and just the understanding of Israel throughout history, the covenants of God that will be upheld. And then, Dr. Michael, I believe the rebirth of Israel in May of 1948 was a miracle. I think it's a signpost that we're in the last days. But folks, uh, do what you have to do, but let your church stand in intercessory prayer for peace in Israel and loss of life to be at a minimum. And I'm going to say this too. Uh, we need to pray for the salvation of Muslim people. Uh, you know, it would just fix everything if the Islamic world would know Jesus. Uh, and 
Anyway, uh, folks, we, we need to pray. AJ, uh, time fleets away, but I want to get this call in. AJ, a subscriber, thanks for holding. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thanks for having me on, Alex. I was wondering if the religion of Islam is a religion of peace, like they claim, then why do so many countries and people that come from those countries find it so easy to behead children and to rape women in the streets? Mm. Dr. Michael. So, uh, Islam is not a religion of peace. Uh, you hear that the word Islam means peace, and that's not true either. Uh, Islam means submission. And so a Muslim is one who is submitted to the will of Allah. And only when the world is submitted to the will of Allah will there be peace. So right. if it's a religion of peace, it's about a future peace when the whole world is Muslim. Um, you know, within the Muslim world, there are different factions and there are Muslims of different degrees, uh, just like in the, the Christian world. We have all kinds of Christians. We have nominal Christians and uh, there are nominal Muslims. But there is a faction within the Muslim world that is of this jihadist Islamist ideology. And uh, they are Muslim and it's based on the Quran and verses in the Quran. But it has been um, uh, exaggerated into a movement of the necessity of dying in the cause of Islam and, and forcibly taking the world under the rule of Islam. Mm -hmm. So um, it, the, this future peace, when the world is submitted to Allah, is not just seen as a, as a dream. It's something that they need to implement and they will implement it by the sword. And it doesn't matter how many people get killed uh, to spread Islam and to spread it through the sword. And it doesn't matter if you die for the cause of Islam because you'll go straight to heaven where there are 72 virgins waiting for you. So it's a very dangerous ideology and it is based on the sword. Not every Muslim in the world believes in that uh, extreme position, and, but this is what these uh, terrorist groups are built on, Hamas, mm. Islamic Jihad, Hezbollah. They're all a part of this Islamist, jihadist ideology that is a part of the Muslim world. And, you, you know, folks, uh, those of you that have been to Israel will understand what I'm talking about. But Dr. Michael, uh, the, just the dichotomy of two different worldviews. Uh, the Kidron Valley uh, divides uh, Israel and Palestinian occupied lands. And on the Israel side, uh, we were just there a couple of years ago. Okay, the old city is just uh, beautifully rebuilt and they're excavating the city of David. But then in the more modern parts, uh, we were driving down a freeway and there were flowers. I mean, it was beautiful. Kind of reminded me of San Diego, California. But across the Kidron Valley in the Palestinian side, I mean, forgive me, it looks like a garbage dump. And, and like something you said earlier, um, how the, the Islamic people could so benefit if they would be a friend to a safe, prosperous, Judeo-Christian, humanitarian Israel. And I look and my heart just broke the suffering, the squalor that is on the Palestinian side uh, be, because of their view and the, 
the uh, imams that put hatred into the minds of young people. I mean, I really don't know anywhere else on the planet that the battle of worldviews is more vividly depicted than there. Uh, and, and I'm sure you know far better than I that um, it's a battle of worldview, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and uh, it's very theological at its roots uh, with Islam. And uh, they are so committed to spreading Islam around the world that uh, they believe that you can only add territory to Islam, you cannot lose territory. Well, the territory that the modern state of Israel is on had been under Islamic control for 1,300 years, after one Muslim empire after another, the last one being the Ottoman Empire that was broken up after World War I. So they consider that land to be part of the House of Islam. And yeah. it's theologically unacceptable to lose territory so therefore, there's this fight to regain this territory and to re-implement uh, Islamic authority over it. And they do not recognize Christian or Jewish um, uh, sovereignty over a piece of land that was ruled by Islam at one time. That's uh, really yeah. the heart of the matter. It really is. And, and folks, the battle is spiritual, uh, really. Although um, wise politics and American solidarity with the, the nation of Israel is so important. Time fleets away. Tell us again about your book and where people can find it. And again, the website of the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. Our website is icejusa.org. And uh, my book is Encounter the 3D Bible, How to Read the Bible So It Comes to Life. We have many other resources on our website, including my blog, with something like two or 300 different articles there on all different subjects. So we invite you to visit our site and take advantage of our resources. Well, I want to thank you tonight. You've been so gracious with your time, and uh, our prayers are with you. We applaud the work you're doing, and thank you tonight for being on Truth and Liberty. Thank you, Alex. It's great to have been with you. Indeed. Folks, God bless you, and thanks for listening. And stay tuned to Truth and Liberty five nights a week live with, uh, we believe, world-class guests and opinion makers like Dr. Susan Michael. And so, uh, truthandliberty.net, and remember, your financial support and prayers help make this possible. Go to truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. May God bless you, and thanks for watching. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.